After more than two decades leading the Sonia Haynes Stone Center for Black Culture and History, Joseph Jordan passed the role of director on to LaRonda Manigault Bryant. Both leaders speak about their hopes for the center, their tenures, and the center's impact on the UNC community and especially its black stakeholders. Today on Carolina Cast, here's my report on the changing of the guard at the Stone Center. From her office at the Stone Center, its new leader, LaRonda Manigold Bryant, or Dr. Ron, as folks call her, playfully tests the microphone with a soulful musicality. Testing, testing, one, two, three. <laughs> she says her vision for the center is informed by a desire to make the academic more accessible. Many, many years ago, when I entered the very first cohort of the Mellon Mays undergraduate fellowship at Duke. I was reading a book called Black Majority by Peter Wood, who was one of my professors, and it's about the South Carolina Low Country, where I was from, where I'm from, and I didn't see myself and my people represented in the, in the way that I knew, in the way that I understood. Manigold Bryant says she wants to highlight the voices of the underheard in her own films and books, which also incorporate songs and chants. I have made a more intentional effort to try to make sure that the voices of people who look like me, who come from places like I come from, are a little louder, a little more apparent, a little more visible or present in some way. She is clear that she stands in a long line of Stone Center leaders, including others who may have endured greater hardships and indignities. I, I very much think of my work as the fourth director of the Stone Center as one that's, um, you know, honoring our ancestor, Sonia Haynes Stone, right? Um, in many ways, first and foremost, but also honoring the ways in which people have made great sacrifices to ensure that we have this magnificent, beautiful space. Perhaps one such legacy of service and sacrifice has been Joseph Jordan, who had been with the center since 2001. He's now the vice provost for academic and community engagement, but still teaches in African, African-American, and diaspora studies. The Stone Center helped to dispel a number of myths uh, about what that kind of center would mean to a campus, that uh, it had value uh, beyond the symbolic. Jordan says there were fears years ago that a dedicated space for black culture would bring trouble. Well, it was the idea that it would be a separatist uh, place on campus that was only open to or relevant to um, black people, that it would be a divisive place, that it was uh, essentially uh, a waste of money. Um, I don't think that there's anybody on campus now, particularly those people who made extensive use of the Stone Center despite the fact that they, they weren't black, that would uh, continue to push that kind of an argument. He has brought an impressive list of thought leaders and cultural heavyweights to the Stone Center to speak. The first speaker at the Stone Center was a Nobel Prize winner, was Wale Stryinka. We've had Pulitzer Prize winners uh, that have spoken, um, Edgewood Danticat, Kathleen Cleaver, of course, uh, 
spoke here for us. It's, it's like a litany of individuals in the artistic uh, and I would say scholarly world as if those two aren't connected in some way. Jordan was at the center of a controversy last year when he asked Durham photojournalist Cornell Watson to change a Stone Center exhibit called Tarred Healing. When Watson resisted and shared his photos with the Washington Post, Jordan sent an email canceling the exhibit at the last minute. The ensuing controversy made national headlines, calling Jordan's actions and leadership into question. I would also say there are things that that I didn't handle well, um, or I would have handled differently. I wouldn't say I, I just didn't handle it well, but I would have handled it differently. Um, and, and then again, in saying that, and I think about it, I would not have handled them differently. There are difficult choices you sometimes make that would uh, possibly um, allow events to, to, to progress more smoothly. Of the Cornell Watson incident specifically, he says. I would not do that differently. The thing that I think folks should take away from this is, is in all of my 22 years at the Stone Center, my primary intent was not to let the Stone Center be misused. That we are not, that we were not a vehicle for you to prosecute your own agenda. At the time, Cornell Watson was doing a fellowship at the Stone Center, exploring places and people connected to the black community. Watson describes the situation. We agreed to have an exhibition without the photos, the student protest photos, without the one of Clayton Summers. Um, we did agree to have the one of Silent Sam on some founders in it. Um, but that was, a, that was like an important piece that was missing. Despite the controversy, Watson ended up gaining a national audience for the pieces, both with the Washington Post spread and eventually being asked to show the photos at the National Civil Rights Museum in Memphis as well. But he says the experience still left him a little stung. For me, it felt like suppression of speech, free speech. Selena Bray Bulls is a senior double majoring in public policy and American studies with a minor in African, African-American, and Diaspora Studies. Bray Bulls is the 2022-23 Sean Douglas Leadership Fellow. She says that it was Dr. Jordan's insights that led her to the Stone Center. My first contact with the Stone Center was actually through a class I took with Professor and Dr. Joseph Jordan. Um, about cultural politics and cultural appropriation and the ways that it expanded my understanding of what it means to be black, black cultures with an S, um, different perspectives was just truly uh, revolutionary to me personally and academically. Brables explains how the programming in the Stone Center serves a much broader community than just black students or students of color. Many student groups have their concerts, cultural showcases, um, town halls, variety shows in the Stone Center, and that's a great place to really feel community too. That sense of community comes through as students rush through halls as classrooms empty at the Stone Center. Manigal Bryan discusses the parallels between her own work and the Stone Center programming from the film festival to its lecture series to its art gallery and library. 
She peppers the conversation with belly laughs and lyric punctuation. Then she talks about the song she's currently playing on repeat in her head. Right now, there's an artist by the name of Labyrinth. (laughs) I just love, you know, kind of what he, they is doing with kind of voice and church sound and technicality and uh, Still Don't Know My Name is like a song that's literally on repeat. It's the theme from the hit TV show, Euphoria about the lives and struggles of teens. She seems comfortable with and plugged into this particular cultural frequency. It should serve her well during her tenure, leading the Stone Center into the future. You can hear more from myself and all of our other Carolina Connection reporters on our website at carolinaconnection.org or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Denise Stroud. Thanks for listening.